And we're back with the Texas Oil and Gas Podcast. We appreciate you tuning in to today's episode. This is episode 188. 188. I'm your host, Josh Shelton, and my friend and co-host, Ryan Ray. Ryan, uh, are we going to go dark? Is this going to be the last podcast uh, that we're going to do before uh, the whole country goes into oblivion? Or, or what's oh. going on, man? Oh. 2020 is over. We're supposed to be going, you know, rebuilding, coming back. Oh. Dude, we are in absolutely crazy times. And, you know, on the 2020, 2021 deal, it's, it's funny because on some level, like if you have cancer in 20, you know, December 31st, 2020, you wake up January 1st, 2021 with cancer. Like, so there's some things that just don't change. But it is also, it's also odd to diminish the, the calendar turning for a month or a day or a week. You know, like that's just how we, society works. Like, change, things change. And, you know, um, time does, reorientate stuff we start the show on mondays so we do stuff differently on mondays than we would on other days and so um so you know you come in 2021 you think okay well maybe some of this will slow down maybe it won't um and i think that you know just generally speaking um, both sides have kind of taken the the brakes off if you will and so we are not in a good spot. And so I know people will say, um, you know, it's their fault. It's their fault. And that's when I can parcel on the show. I just, I think largely the, 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 the guardrails have been removed and that's, that's a dangerous spot to be in. Is there a bright side of this though? I mean, as, as the fighting happens, does oil price go up? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> it's like nothing really impacts the market. I know it's having a little sell off this morning and so oil is down, but, yeah, you know, there's nothing that that really deters the market, um, and that's what's that might. To be quite honest with you, that might be the most concerning thing is that the market's not concerned, and so you know, um, and and so there was um, last Wednesday when everything went down, the market closed up and it closed up Thursday. I can't remember what it did Friday, but it's off this morning a little bit on Monday, um, and I heard people talk. Well, the market is looking at these companies that are making money, and therefore they're okay. It's like, well, if that's true, then why do we need more stimulus checks? Like, you know, if all these companies are making money, then we shouldn't need another round of stimulus to boost up their customer base. Right. And so, um, I think that, I think, you know, obviously the civil unrest and the social barriers being kind of taken down. I think the, um, the, uh, the stock market is, is, a, is, a, is, a, is kind of like the uh, canary in the coal mine over squealing that no one's really paying attention to. Yeah, well, uh, don't 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 try to take away the stimmy, man. We need Uncle Joe to send out the checks now. We uh, <laughs> you want your stimmy? Yeah, I'll take the stimmy. Don't send it to anybody else. That's terrible financially for the for the country. But yeah, yeah, this, this uh, is good for me. I tell you. Yeah. <laughs> well, think about this: three hundred and thirty million people, two thousand per person. You've got what? How many in your house? Seven. Mm -hmm. I got six. That's thirteen. So two thousand times thirteen. You know, let's just make it. You know, to, uh, you know. So what's that be? Twenty, twenty-six thousand. Yeah, yep. thirty. You know, just to round up. Yeah, thirty thousand, three hundred thirty million people paying off thirty thousand dollars in debt. It's not a lot of money. No, no Yeah, I mean, they, if they did that on a weekly basis, you're, you're talking cents, pennies. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, sub pennies and so. Um, hey, but real quick, speaking of Burton, we haven't asked for five star reviews in a while. And I noticed that we got 13 one star reviews. I think the environmental folks are coming after us now. And so, oh, Lord. I think they're coming after us. So, if we get a five star review, 
on iTunes, um, that would be lovely. So, anyways, keep the comments. Any, any written content in there? No, 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 no. That's what I'm saying. It's just, I guess it's the, the, the commies. The commies are coming after us. So, uh, well, five star reviews will go a long way to help make me make me feel better. Oh boy, from New Hampshire, just listen to the episode. That's probably one of them. <laughs> that's probably one of them. Probably one from a three to one. So we asked for that one. Like we can take the L on that one. Like that's our own yeah. fault. That's our own fault. All right. So uh, there was news that came out. I don't think we mentioned this on the show last week. You mentioned a little bit, Ryan. It was kind of hot off the press. Uh, OPEC uh, emerges from chaos of 2020 to face delicate balancing act. Uh, so what what did we say exactly last Monday before your podcast with Ellen? about what OPEC was doing, because there's news that they're going to continue their cuts for uh, another, another, another month. Right. Well, I thought, I don't remember because it was that morning when they were meeting, right. When we had our show. Yeah. And so I think at the time, and I don't remember because so much has changed. It feels like weeks are still like months uh-huh. now. That's yeah. God, what did, like, that was last week. Okay. So I, I think at the time they're talking about maybe 500,000. I know Russia going into it was a 500,000 increase before last Monday. I can't remember what was happening last Monday, but the Saudis are going to cut, um, not increase, a cut. And so, you know, I've talked to a lot of people about this, kind of what what does it mean that the Saudis are cutting? And so, you know, prices right now, oil prices up to, WTI is up to 52. And so, you have to wonder why the Saudis are cutting. And to me, it's saying the Saudis think that, that, that the demand is overinflated. And so, if that's true, then... And, you know, we're going to see the price go back down. How far? I don't know, but go back down here in the next, what, two or three months. Hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. So that, uh, it's basically that based on the numbers they're looking at, they're concerned that if they were to keep drilling at a certain level, that the price would get in danger zone. Yeah. Well, right. And so the question now is, though, is uh, assuming that that thesis is right, not everyone agrees with that, but let's just assume that that's right. What do uh, the U.S. shell producers do? Now, they don't have a lot of time because, it, you know, OPEC, this goes through February and maybe March. I can't remember. So you don't have a ton of time to kind of decide. But, you know, will the U.S. producers ramp up and try to, to take advantage of this? And if so, then you're going to put the Saudis in a rough spot to where we're sitting here in March and April. Uh, and the Saudis are trying to decide what they're going to, how they're going to respond to the U.S. increasing drilling. You know, and so you get to the spot to where mid-year this year, you know, the Saudis are frustrated potentially. The frackers are frustrated potentially. Uh, and you're trying to figure out, you know, who's going to respond to whom and, you know, you know will we have another price war stuff like that? I don't know. We're too, too far to see, but it's, it's, it's weird because the best thing for our time, the U S side is almost to encourage people not to drill because of the long-term impact. Right. But the bad part is we need people to drill so people can have work. So it's kind of one of those catch 22s because if you're sitting there and you're going, well, you don't want to drill that people will go unemployed. If you do drill, though, my, my, my fear is this, that you, the U.S. producers come out and start drilling, drilling heavy. The price gets drilled down. Uh, they, they're hedged. So they drill all the way through 2021. Uh, and then we start 2022, and the price is so soft that, that they're in a worse spot than they were at the beginning of this year. So, uh, But, you know, we, we got time to, to tell what's going to happen. It's just um, it's a long way to go. Well, uh, back there in the dot-com bubble, um, the uh, then uh, Federal Reserve chairman, coined a, he coined a phrase, irrational exuberance, referring to the stock market because it was going up even though 
he knew it was about to about to bust. Um, and I mean, it just it just feels it just feels artificial to me that the stock market is doing what it's doing. Like like you mentioned, Wednesday, uh, people were storming the Capitol, and the stock market was climbing. Right. It just doesn't make any sense. Uh, it doesn't make any sense to me. Which I could just be ignorant and just missing the whole the whole deal. But it just seems to. Well, not- let's just, yeah, let's just take the capital thing out. I agree. So let's take the capital issue out. You know, so you have the stock market, which is you know uh, four thousand companies. I think in the New York Stock Exchange, something like that. Okay, so those four thousand companies, you would presume that most of their consumer base is based in the U.S. They have international companies, obviously, but. Most of it's going to be U.S. based consumption. Okay, so when you get there and you say, "Well, um, why is it that they need their consumer base, which would be the U.S. consumer people like me and you, to get stimulus checks to keep going?" Because obviously, now obviously, some of these companies sell B two B, not just all B two C. But but the fact that we just cut stimmies what oh, two weeks ago? Mm-hmm. Stimmies cut. I don't know, a couple weeks ago. And so. Yeah, it was- Two weeks, probably. Yeah. Okay, so two weeks ago, we cut stimmies, and they were talking about cutting them again when Biden comes in. Like, so if these companies are making money, well, why do we need to keep funding the taxpayers? And, and I'm not talking about whether you should fund the taxpayers or the corporations. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm just saying this simply the question should be asked is if these companies are doing so well and they're so healthy and they're fed by the consumer on some level to some degree, obviously, then why do we need to keep? funding the consumer what's well, because the consumer's really hurting the average american's really hurting main street's really hurting and so if we had to keep feeding main street fed dollars then really the corporations are hurting as well it's just not it's being hidden um because either fed's buying the bonds or, or, or the, you know the money's coming from the fed into my pocket and then from my pocket to uh the corporation's pocket which means that there's not really money being made like you know you start thinking about it, it's like it doesn't make sense that this is how it's working out so um, yeah, it, I, would, I would agree. I would agree. So I, I think the STEMI is uh, definitely help helping uh, prevent some of it. The question is going to be, I guess, uh, say they do pass another stimulus check and um, the dollar does devalue a little bit. Crypto will probably benefit from that uh, to, a, to a degree. The question is going to be, will the, will the market be able to correct before uh, an enormous amount of pain is felt or, or can they can they? kind of spread it out long enough to where the economy is, is back up and running before too much of the, the pain of that initial lockdown is felt. Uh, well, I ain't got my stimmy, so I, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, you know, uh, so Trump or Biden or Pelosi or whoever, I, I ain't got my stimmy. And so uh, I'm just saying, you know, holla at your boy. I want my stimmy in Bitcoin, though, preferably. Yeah. Well, you see, Bitcoin is down nine thousand today. Uh, I don't know if that helps anybody out in the oil patch. Uh, people that are using, you know, gas thousand today or over the weekend or what? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's thirty-one. It was forty uh, Friday. Yeah. It's thirty-one right now. Oh, it just hit thirty. Um, yeah, so it's it's been. It's been going down, and I don't really understand that either. Uh, I just don't understand stocks, right? We need to stick oil and gas. Uh, we just need to, to stay here. I don't understand <laughs> anything right now, okay? That's the problem. The things that you think you understand, you you look at it, and you're like, I don't know why this is going this way. And, yeah. you know, you think that you don't understand, you're like, that kind of, that doesn't make sense either. And so we're in a, we're in kind of the bizarro world. And so it's it's, you know, I am always torn between – how much hyperbole when I'm being serious do I lean into versus, you know, do 
let's try to play it safe. And I think, you know, right now, Josh, just to be as honest as I can, I think you have to be deeply concerned about what's going on globally and in the U S and this has nothing to do with Trump winning or Biden winning or like all that aside, you know, the past year, if we've seen anything, it's been that so many things that we thought were true or would be true and are not true. So, you know, the, the freedom to move in the U S was taken away. The freedom to go out and peacefully assembly was taken away. Uh, like you could go to church, you know, peaceful to be able to, the ability to work. You were told if you weren't essential, go home. You know, they shut down stuff. Um, we've seen protests and riots and looting. Now I know some of that stuff, if you go back through our history has been there at various times. And so, um, that's a, that's not necessarily a new phenomenon um, in, in that in that sense, but it still is. It's scary and it's troubling. Um, and then you know we have a presidential election and that's contested. Um, like every time we turn around, you know, when the you know we, it feels like we we can't rebalance out and kind of get back to normal. And and for a society, we need a sense of normalcy. And if you you know last week we were you know people were kind of saying well we're a banana republic now okay well the, the thing about banana republics is that there are no normals right you know how you treat people how you interact with people how you look at someone you, you shake their hand do you give them the bird like all that stuff there is no normalcy there and that should be the concern for us by and large is that we're looking at these things and and the price and the markets are like god that doesn't make any sense you can understand the fed pumping money in there and it's manipulating it um but why no one's talking about these other narratives and stuff, you know? Um, and then you sit here and look at our show and, and I'm not trying to be hyperbolic. I'm sitting here genuinely wondering, you know, will an oil and gas podcast get censored at some point because it's, you know, environmentally threatening. Now to be clear, I don't think it's going to happen. I'm just, I'm sitting here thinking that we've taken, those are the things you've taken the brakes off now. And people were like, okay, well, you know, what, what is dangerous and how do you, how do you balance out Amazon who is willing to work with China, which I have no problem with, but then you realize that if they're working with China, that speech and language and stuff and how people talk, it doesn't bother them because they are governing servers in China. And so they, they really aren't concerned with what is being said or not being said, but in the U S they virtue signal and then want to act like they care. Like you know, all of these things, you start going, good Lord. Like, I'm trying to start to kind of divulge you. It's just <laughs> you start trying to put it all together and you, you can't make sense of any of it. And that's, that's the worst spot to be in. I think. Well, it's interesting Ron, that you mentioned uh, the, the, just the possibility of a podcast like this being censored. Um, before, before Trump got kicked off Twitter and uh, parlor got kicked off and a lot of these conservative voices are starting getting censored here recently and like mass numbers, I wouldn't have thought it was even possible. But at this point, I don't think that it's impossible by any stretch. Um, I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's unlikely. But Right, right. Yeah, so let's be clear. So people don't leave us one say, oh, these guys are – no, we're not saying it's going to happen. What we're saying is is that we've lost the ability – at least Josh and Ryan have. We've lost the ability to understand where what's we're at in the world, what's going yeah. on, what, what, what's, what, what, is, what is now reasonable. We literally had people in the Capitol building last Wednesday that weren't supposed to be there. Whatever you think about that, I'm not, I'm not just, this is a factual statement. Like that happened. That's just not normal <laughs> that, that that happens, right? We don't, that's not Tuesday in the U.S. Yeah. Whatever you think about it, whether you think it was the worst thing in the world or that they were patriots, I, I'm not touching that with a hundred foot pole on this podcast. I'm just simply saying it happened. And when that happens, I mean, you shut down and you, all the other things that happen, you just sit here and you, you say, well, what is possible? What are the things that we might expect 
you no longer know. And it's very similar to, um, you know, right after 9-11. And um, again, not comparing this to 9-11, not trying to make a one-to-one. I'm saying like when that happened, you just didn't know, okay, is this, is this the way that uh, life is, right? Do we, will we have planes in the buildings? Well, obviously not that, 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 that didn't happen, but right in the moment you're going, Oh my God, they're like, this can be it's the next start of war. We're we going to be fighting over here. Or right. You remember for a while. And so, so today we're sitting here going, okay, the market's up. It shouldn't be up. Um, oil and gas is up. People are getting censored. Part of getting taken off of Amazon. And we've seen big tech has come after oil and gas, right? Yeah. We've covered that on the show. So um, big tech has looked at oil and gas, North face. We talked about that, you know, uh, so there, there already has been some targets of oil and gas. And so when you start saying that, um, you know, targeting stuff is fine. And we talk about that from the, the free market standpoint. It's one thing. My concern is that where is the journalists who are wondering, do these big tech companies really care? Right. So think about this. I'm not saying whether or not Amazon should have the right to kick parlor off. I'm saying who is leading the charge questioning Amazon's motivations and much like this. Um, remember two years ago when big pharma was the worst people in the world. Yeah. You know, because of the opioid crisis. Now, all of a sudden, Big Pharma is the greatest thing ever. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Vaccine. Where, so did Big Pharma repent and have a come to Jesus meeting and now they're good? Or are they the worst thing ever? And so I, you know, there's no journalistic curiosity to ask those type of questions um, because we just want to push these various narratives. And so as oil and gas, you're sitting there going, well, wh- where do our um, where do our narratives get then? Oh. Oh, don't don't get us banned. I'll get us banned. So I'll, I'll do enough. Hmm. I'll do enough to get us banned, Man United. <laughs> so uh, our, our good friend David Blackman wrote an article: "Fracking the Virus: How Oil and Gas Contribute to the Fight Against COVID-19." Uh, so he he goes on to say that oil and gas industries made massive contributions to the fight against COVID-19 pandemic over the last year. They've gone largely unnoticed by consumers and the news media, and that's a good thing for all of us. Um, so he, he goes on to mention, you know, some of the parts that, um, oil and gas industry plays and, uh, you mentioned, you know, toilet paper, paper towels, Clorox, pine mm-hmm. salt, pork loins, Raymond soup, Americans have kind of, you know, um, it, it's, it's one of the things that's overlooked in all of this is how dependent on oil and gas the economy is. And even for getting through times like this during a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, right. And so, um, yeah, no, I, I think David obviously spot on. You know, uh, we need oil and yeah. gas to create the vaccine. It makes me wonder about. Um, I wish, I wish, I wish there was more people we could get. We could get out. Um, we could get this information out too. You know, he, he makes a he makes an interesting point that the uh, vaccine has to be stored at minus seventy six degrees mm-hmm. Fahrenheit. Uh, and so he, uh, he mentioned, you know, the, the refrigeration equipment, um, but you have to have oil and gas products to create that kind of environment. Uh, you don't, you don't do that with uh, solar panels. Right. That's right. Yeah. That's, that's right. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, that, that people overlook all that, but it's like, Hey, that's actually, mm-hmm. that's actually a witty point to make there. That's uh, often overlooked. Well, right. We have a, a, another article as well from uh, MRT. Oh, I just got rid of it by accident. It is about tax credits for um, carbon sure. capture projects. Four five Q, forty five Q. So it looks like the Biden administration is going to be on board with these. 
it seems you know that the people writing this article uh, whoever they were interviewing has been happy with them um yeah this, 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 so let me and you know, there's a listener who listens to this podcast um who was kind of briefed me on before this happened on kind of this because we we're talking about it on Ellen and I's show the other day um and my understanding is that the rules for carbon capture in the U.S. were uh, there was kind of three ways you could get some kind of tax credit. I don't have a note in front of me here, but three ways you can get a tax credit, but you couldn't get the full credit um, unless you did some other stuff. And the other stuff was kind of was harder to, to do. And so anyways, it was kind of a convoluted system. So I think what this cat's saying here is, is that they've clarified the rules on how you can get um, the full tax credit or better tax credits or, or whatever for carbon capture is kind of my, my read on what he's saying aside from whether you think carbon credit is a good thing or not. Right. Yeah. Now I don't know if that's true. So the question is, so are the folk, the, the, the guy that listens, it knows I'm curious what he thinks about these, these new rules, but um, it seemed to be a pretty onerous pro uh, process before. Like it wasn't as simple as, uh, well, there was, there was a few ways you could do it. You could buy mitigation units. Um, you could um, um, put the carbon back in the ground, which was the most onerous one. And the third one was you could use it for advanced uh, EOR. And so, uh, but I think I think either two of those three or all three of those, you didn't get the full credit. So, anyways, I'm curious to see how the producers feel about um, this, and is it something that will incentivize them to actually use it or not? Yeah. So, uh, just a little statement here at the end. I think this was probably part of the uh, it summarizes it. The final rule, coupled with the two-year extension of 45Q, passed in December as a part of the 2020 omnibus spending bill. So, this would be the STEMI. And the uh, to keep Congress open, this was something they slipped in. Slipped in, it was in there. Um, it will help to unlock billions of dollars in private capital to continue moving forward on the approximately 30 publicly identified commercial carbon capture projects already under development nationwide in response to the revamp tax credit. So essentially, uh, you're going to move money around on these projects. Um, I'm not going to tell you too much about my opinion of that, but... Uh, <laughs> It seems to be pretty blatant that they're just telling you what they're doing. You know, yeah. they're unlocking billions of dollars to move to these particular projects. Um, who's benefiting from that billions of dollars would be interesting to find out too. I'd, I'd like to know, like the top twenty people uh, that are standing to benefit the most. I'd I'd like to benefit from it. I'd like to benefit from it. Just saying. Yeah, yeah. Texas Oil and Gas Podcast. We would like, like to nominate ourselves to be uh, yeah. part of that billion dollar. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I like That'd be nice. Yeah. All right. Um, Heart Energy had an article that they put out that said the more ambition, ambitious Biden tries to be, the more likely he is to fail. Um, I think that was actually a very astute point to make, because if you listen to some of his energy policies, like with green energy, they're, you know, if you so you, you remember Obama had the shovel ready job deal, and then if you years or months later, like, okay, I didn't realize or uh, I was wrong. Like there's no shuffle ready jobs. And that's because a lot of the projects he was talking about were, you know, very heavily regulated and took a long time to get started. I think Biden's going to find the same thing here. If you want to put in all these charging stations and you want to do all this stuff for, for green energy, um, like those are, those are ambitious, lofty goals, but they're more likely than not to, to flop. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a good, it's an interesting point. You know, they, 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 uh, what what approach is he going to take? Obviously, he's going to be more green than 
Trump was probably um, at least uh, at least a lot of the companies that are green are going to feel more emboldened and powered under his legislation. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, how far is he effectively going to go in enforcing certain rules? So that they mentioned the um, the sagebrush uh, lizard, mm-hmm. um, and it, as you said, if if they end up designating that as endangered it would make a it would make it very difficult for drillers and frackers in uh, new mexico which mm-hmm. i've heard about that lizard and i thought it was already endangered so uh i learned something that it's not it must have been something else that i that i heard about um i'm not a lizard, lizard expert well you gotta you gotta be an expert on on the, the new mexico stuff oh but didn't isn't there all sorts of things where they have to go in and send in the uh the environmental crew to make sure there ain't certain mm-hmm growing there or certain frogs or uh, yeah. heard all kinds of stuff man sagebrush lizard um well maybe maybe that just wasn't one of them maybe maybe that one's just maybe they got a bunch of sagebrush lizards running around out yeah. there they could, it's not that specific species or something yeah I don't, yeah i don't know i don't know I don't, you know it's uh i know we got bald eagles like they're they were endangered rhinoceroses you know like that's like that's kind of it's kind of where i stop on what's endangered and what's not pandas yeah. I think or endangered. I don't know. Yeah, well, we haven't drilled any, any, any pandas, you know, in, in uh, West Texas. So uh, I think we're, <laughs> think we're safe there. Okay. Yeah. Um, so investors, this is another article. Investors will increasingly drive energy companies to ESG efforts. Um, see, this article, I'm not sure about it. Uh, I'm not sure what the point is because investors have been driving energies toward ESG for a while. Uh, I mean, that's, that's kind of been a, a big news story yeah. for a while, and I don't see anything referenced here that that's any different than what was true, you know, three months ago. So, well, um, as oil rises, you got to remind folks that if they were to you know, invest in oil and gas, that they might they might pay the price publicly. So, right, yeah. Well, this is gonna be something that they keep re uh, probably reoccurs every so often. I'm just wondering what. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, I think we got one more article before we do the Texas roundup, and it's our good. Uh, I said I must say our good friend. Uh, it's not our friend. I, I don't guess, but the pioneer CEO. He still sees slow U.S. oil output recovery. So uh, we've we've mentioned him several times on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, he he thinks that the oil recovery is gonna is still gonna be slow uh, through 2021. It's gonna be a, a really slow recovery. So um, we're gonna yeah. see with with the when you mentioned the oil demand with OPEC. Are they seeing something that um, you know the the price of oil is not reflecting? Is it gonna go back down? And um, if so, it would be in line with what Pioneer CEO is thinking. Yeah, I kind of go back and forth on Sheffield. So he was the first one to, that I can remember. I was beating the drum that we're out of pipeline capacity. And, you know, it was kind of a, you know, he turned out to be right that the, that the squeeze on the pipeline capacity was coming. Um, but then last year he was the one saying that we needed uh, the railroad commission to come in and step in and solve the problem. And so it's like, okay. And then they didn't even take the, um, they didn't even cut it. So, uh, so, you know, I, I kind of go back and forth on, on how to take his, what he says, where there's other CEOs I take a little bit more seriously and some I take less seriously. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure what to make of it. I don't, I, I think I, I'm still, it's, it's, you know, 
I think the price is too high. So I can keep saying that over and over, like the ESG article. <laughs> I keep saying it over, over. The price is what it is, regardless. And so if the price stays above 50 for some time, then things, this will happen that way. What, whether, whether the price is overinflated or there's a steep crash or whatnot. And so the longer the price stays up, more activity is going to be. Um, I, I think that there's enough concern now, or not concern. I think there's enough consensus that makes you wonder, will we ever get back to where we were in 2018, 2019? You know, will we hit those kind of drilling highs. Most people seem to agree not. Obviously that could change, but most people seem to agree not. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of done for now being wrong on all gas prices. Yeah. <laughs> I need yeah. to be wrong a few times and then I'll come back to being wrong again. But I, I've just been wrong so much. And I, I, it's one of those things where you're wrong. It's, it's not like, like this. Um, you know, if you're watching a football game and you think, hey, uh, you know, this team is going to beat this team by 70 and – they go out there and then head to head, all the best players, your team loses by 40. You're like, okay, wow, completely whiffed on that prediction. But in this case, it's like my team doesn't have his quarterback and is playing with eight guys. You know, it, it doesn't feel like it's really the right game is being played. And they get all the all stars. So I, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's not. Maybe it's just strictly market fundamentals. We'll, we'll find out in time. But um, I don't know. It's just the, the concern, I guess, you know, it always kind of goes back to just the, the Main Street folks, Josh, which is, um, you know, if you're out there and you, you you know you're thinking, okay, prices are up. You know, I say about leaving the industry, you're staying in the industry. You know, and then you invest a certain way. You're, you're a small business, so um, just just be careful is what I would say. All right, for the Texas Roundup, uh, we have uh, a few things to mention. So we've already talked about Devon and the merger. There's some news about that. I think uh, I think it was completed uh, recently. Uh, Permian deals, the merger rebound in fourth quarter. I mean, Devin was one of those, but there's been several others. We'll link to that in the show notes, uh, just as a, a rundown to some other, uh, upstream mergers that you may have missed toward the end of the year last year. Um, Earthstone closes 185.9 million dollar acquisition of Warburg backed Permian operator. Um, I think we, uh, we mentioned that one was in the works. Uh, so if it wasn't last week, it was the week before. Uh, but that deal actually closed. And uh, I think that pretty much wraps it up, Ryan. I think all's, all's at 52 right now. Uh, this is Monday, January the 11th. Um, we'll, we'll see kind of where it goes. Uh, a lot of the markets are down right now. I checked. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens to the market. You know, if they announce another STEMI this week, it might see a, a bump, um, which could also be reflected in the whole price as well. Point, will the Democrats try to have the STEMI package ready to go so Biden day one can sign it? Um, or will they, you know, wait and work with him to see what he wants? Obviously, he can talk to him. Yeah, let me just say this, Josh, before, before we hop off here. I know we've talked about some non-oil and gas stuff, but I think it's important to kind of uh kind of address this one, one, one more time, get your thoughts on it. One of the things that I've seen over the past almost week now, since what happened last Wednesday um in the, in the nation's capital is I've talked to a lot of people, people that are friends, people I respect, people I'm curious what they think. Um, and what I've seen is, is that there are a wide range of opinions on what happened last Wednesday and why it happened. Um, and I'm not here to give my opinion on that. If you want to read my newsletter, I'm, I'm not pitching my newsletter, I'm saying, but you can go follow my thoughts there. But I've also seen people who aren't wanting to listen to what people think about happened last week, right? And I'm not here to say that listening to people one way or another fixes problems. That's that. Not, that's not necessarily true, but I'm saying that if you 
don't listen to people, you can't at least understand where they're coming from, which will create its own problem. And so, um, and I've been shocked. Like I, I've watched a lot of coverage. I talked to a lot of people about what they thought happened, what they thought was going to happen going into Wednesday, you know, what they thought happened afterwards, what they think was happening in the future. And people who maybe I agree with on a lot of issues, we disagree on this and we're, you know, still fine. Or people I disagree with, I agree with. And so I, I can't think, we're talking about this, this kind of time in history where we're sitting here going, you know, where are we at and what's going on? This is a really weird time because even on something like this, we're all looking at it and going, what does this mean? How did we get here? What's happening? I think we all have to realize that these are complex issues. And while we'll probably disagree on some level, um, that there's people who are just seeing this thing differently than we are. And I'm not trying to justify what happened. I'm, I'm not trying to justify anything. I'm just talking about you and your friend talking about it. Just keep in mind that, man, there's a lot of folks, with a lot of takes on this stuff. And sometimes they say stuff. And I'm like, huh, I don't agree with that, but I've never would have thought about that either way. That's an interesting point. And sometimes I think this is a bad point, but, but there's just a lot of points. So curious your thoughts on that, because it's been a, it's been kind of surreal just hearing all the opinions and takes. And I've had to reevaluate my, my stance on, several times just hearing uh, some of my friends and people I, I trust and like um, talk to comment. Yeah. Well, there's just so much, there's so much information that's going around, you know? So, I mean, um, like you said, not, not really taking a side on what happened with the Capitol last week. Um, but there was news that came out. Like as soon as it started happening, there was news that it was Antifa that was doing it. And then, uh, and then, so, uh, I mean, Five minutes later, there's pictures that show that it wasn't. I mean, the people that they were saying was Antifa wasn't Antifa. It was, it was legitimately uh, Trump supporters that that were being claimed. That doesn't necessarily rule out either possibility. It's just a matter of saying that information is coming out faster than we can process it. And um, you got you actually got to do a lot of work to go in and see what's actually true or not. And you, I mean, uh, it's just it just makes for it just makes uh, conversations a lot more difficult. Um, if you don't actually go in and do some homework on, on some of it, it's really hard to know what's going on because, uh, the, like you mentioned, the lack of journalism that's, that's out right now, people are pushing left and right narratives and honest journalism is trying to give a fair assessment of both sides. Mm-hmm. Um, it's rare. It's rare. And, um, it makes the market a lot more volatile. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't, Yeah. Like you say, I think that that was one of the stunning things was, um, you know, as soon as it happened, there's people on the right saying, what well, had to be Antifa? I was like, well, okay, I, I, it didn't have to be anybody. It could have been Trump supporters. <laughs> and the people on the left saying, it had to be Trump supporters. Like, well, okay, it could have been Antifa. Like, I'm, I, like, I'm not, I'm, I'm not even trying to weigh into the debate. Like, this, yeah, both, this. Both, both sides saying, what well, had to be this or it had to be that. It's like, well, okay, it could have been Martians. Like, you know, this is how you work through issues is, is talking about them, thinking about what could have happened, what did happen, what evidence we had. But it was just stunning to see both sides kind of lay the yeah, groundwork. Yeah, left and right narratives just got laid out, no evidence, and then you had stuff, stupid stuff. I'm talking about idiot stuff. And that's the thing. So, like, um, in all of the discussions, you have two people on the right side. Here's three reasons why this is what happened. And then mm-hmm. you know, on, the, on the left side, you have three reasons why this happened. How many people are actually saying, well, Let's look at both sides and see what both of them are saying and, and analyze evidence and see which ones are right, which ones are wrong. Yeah. That is a rare thing to see. That is a rare thing to see right now. And uh, unfortunately, when people do that, even those people are getting censored uh, at this point. So um, yeah. Yeah. it's um, it's that. And, and then the other thing that, that's been, that, that I've had to kind of sit back and look is, is that it's easy to justify how you saw things and how you view things and kind of play into that, that, well, this is how it has to be because this is how I saw it. But 
I do think that both sides, with some honest reflection here, could realize that that there's um, a little bit more nuance to to what's going on. And um, the troubling thing is, is that we're more concerned about doubling down on our narratives than we are um, that. Listen, if we're wrong about the price of oil on this show, it, you know, then you know, I, I hope no one's trading on day trading oil prices on the show. Like, if you are, then we need to talk because that's not the purpose of the show. So if we're wrong on something, you know, we don't want to be wrong. We don't try to be wrong. That's not our goal. But you know, if we're wrong, the implications are are not very drastic. If you're wrong about some of this, you start putting people uh, right or left and you start feeling them, making them feel disenfranchised or ignored or targeted. Um, that's a bad spot to be. And at the same time, if you're burning down buildings or you know storming the Capitol, that's a bad spot to be. It's, it, we're just in a bad spot. And so uh, anyways, I'll let you be any final words before we get out. No, that's it, man. All right, folks, thank you so much. If you could leave us a five-star review, we have, uh, like I said, we've, we've got 13 one-star now. And so I don't know what happened, but um, the commies are coming for us. So until next time, keep climbing.